Baker Mayfield, undraftable, off my board. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Hi guys, welcome in. It's the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are usually Friday episode, for, uh, you know, friendly here with John Colosimo, but we're moving it to Saturday. I got several DMs. We're going to get our weekly show in with John. I know you appreciate having him on. I do as well. John, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing? All things considered. <laughs> all things considered. We're all hanging in, man. <laughs> we're all hanging in. Um, well, let's let's start off. There's quite a quite a few things out of Berea today, and then we'll dig to bigger picture things, John. It appears that uh, we start with the fact that somehow, some way, Greg Newsom gets a concussion at the very end of practice, so he's out this weekend. Does it, uh, what what swing does that have on, on the outcome, in your opinion? I, I, I'm not, you know, the Ravens don't throw it well enough as it is, and I really don't think they threaten up the numbers. Lamar doesn't like to throw outside the hashes all too much. I'm more worried about safety linebacker play personally. What do you think about losing Newsom having to have Greedy step in in this one? Yeah, I mean, it stinks uh, just to lose a player that caliber, but this isn't the matchup that where it's a, you know, I think it's a, a deal breaker. You know, if we're, if we're playing against Tampa Bay, that would be a much larger blow mm-hmm. than it is against the Ravens. So uh, it stinks. I mean, concussions can be weird. You know, it doesn't always have to be some giant hit, um, kind of right right way to hit it uh, in the right place and things can be funky. I just hope that, you know, it really, I don't think it's been part of his past. Uh, I don't think he had concussion issues at Northwestern, did he? Not, I that, I, he, not that I know of. No, I think he had like, you know, some soft tissue stuff, you know, that he was, but I don't think he was missing games for concussions. So I, I don't think it's a long-term concern. Um, and I don't think it's the worst thing for this game. Um, but obviously anytime you lose somebody, that, that just stinks. It does. The other thing that came out of this one, and well, listen, I'll go back real quick. I don't want to move on from that too fast. This is where, again, we've mentioned several times this year, the the depth in the corner room, having somebody of Greedy's capability, having somebody of A.J. Green who's come along does make you feel pretty good about it. Because Greg Newsom's playing really good football, but you know you feel good about having guys who have shown they're capable, have talent, and that's kudos to the Browns' ability to build that room. The other thing that came out of this game, or sorry, out of Berea today, and we'll talk about injuries in just a second, is Miles Garrett's quote about his teammates. Kind of the second time that he's almost said he hasn't loved the way they're preparing um, has been kind of specific with that too. Around this idea that that you know, I think guys should be uh, on their p's and q's a little bit more, should be ready to go. He kind of even mentioned. He wanted a little more urgency at practice this week. We've got to come together today, tomorrow, uh, meetings and all of that to get right. we still got another 48 hours here. So he did this before the Chicago game. It feels like he's doing it again. Is this him? There's two ways to look at it. Is there's there's The first way is he's challenging his teammates and trying to set a standard, right? The leadership part that we all are begging for from him, he's showing it. Or there's genuine concern about the way the guys are actually viewing this thing, and we should be, as a fan base, concerned about lack of preparation here. So I guess there's two ways to go with that. And I, I mean, 
you want Miles to to be the leader, right? So I'm I'm interested in your take on it. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting call out there to uh, point out the last time that he did this because uh, I guess you could say that the results on the field that week were, uh, you know, if you want to put it on him a little bit at least, uh, it was highly effective. Uh, Miles is also a very intelligent guy, um, and you could say that he understands that when he says something into a microphone uh, that it's going to be reverberated. It's going to be known. It's going to be, you know, talked about. So I think that the positive spin that you can put on this is that Miles is, you know, purposely poking the bear here um, and looking for the kind of performance out of the defense that we did see that Chicago game, which was, you know, one of the more dominant defensive performances I've ever seen, um, certainly out of the Browns team, but, um, you know, really any team. Uh, you know, negative way to look at it is that it was a honest slip in front of a mic, and that doesn't say a lot of good things, especially in a uh, a regrouping and focus up bye week scenario for this team. Um, I'm, I think that we'll just kind of see the results on the field. I think that uh, if you see some. I think maybe what you see early on is what you're going to get for the game on that. Uh, you know, I'm in a positive mindset, you know, versus, you know, we talked about needing this bye week. I sure as hell did. Um, I do feel positive coming into this game, uh, generally speaking, even with uh, some of the circumstances that are tough. You know, I mean, Baltimore's dealing with the circumstances that are tough on their side. So, you know, it's the NFL. It's a game of attrition. I know people are out, but I've got a positive outlook on it. So I'm going to choose option A on this one and say that Miles is purposely poking the bear uh, and looking for some angry defense on Sunday or this weekend. Yeah, you hope that he he knows the room, right? That he knows what he has to do to get guys in the right frame of mind. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's Miles saw a couple guys laugh and he didn't want to see laugh. Who knows? I mean, it could be anything. I, I, I just... It's not what you want to hear necessarily, but it is maybe something you do want to hear from a guy that you expect to be in the leadership role in this group, which is, you know, you want Miles to be the person that the franchise looks up to as much as maybe you want the quarterback. I think you certainly want Miles to be the guy who leads the group on the defensive side of the ball, even if it's not as optimal because he's a he's an upfront player, not a play calling type, but he, he can serve a vocal leadership aspect for this defense. I think he can... He can always do that, and, and, and we'll see. We'll see if they respond to it, and if they do, that tells you that he's got a good pulse for where things are. Other things of note on the offensive side, we did officially get David Njoku out of this game um, as there was a little bit of hope that he would be able to play in it, and we did see Colquitt get signed as the punter. The Njoku stuff does worry me. I don't I don't know how they're going to overcome it. I mean, like, I, I know Baltimore's beat up on the defensive side of the football, and I know that Marlon Humphrey was a clear advantage player. He was far superior to anybody on the field for the Browns. But it feels to me like they're at a level playing field now across the board, John. And uh, I just, with how Kevin has structured everything this year, I thought they had a real chance to be down Harrison Bryant and just live in 12 personnel quite a bit. But now they're in 11 personnel all the time, unless they want to play Miller Forrestal, which, you know, take good luck. It's it, Or Johnny Stanton at fullback, halfback. Sorry, they call that, maybe Northwestern calls that the superback position. A uh, little bit of both, playing some tight end and some uh, snaps in the backfield, kind of the way Harrison Bryant does. But I have some genuine 
I don't know if it's concern. I mean, I am concerned, but there's some mystery around what they're going to do on offense. Where, how do you feel about them in this game? Or, or, or is this the weird NFL season where maybe they just show up and figure out a way to put up points uh, out of a bye week? I don't know. I'm just kind of curious what your expectation is, or maybe you don't even have one for this game on offense. Yeah, I kind of don't. Um, you know, I think my hopes coming into this bye week, and we kind of talked about this last time, my hopes are that, you know, this is going to be time offensively for this coaching staff to kind of regroup and modify some things uh, the way that you can't on a typical NFL game week schedule. So um, I'm kind of expecting uh, a, a turnaround there. I'm expecting to see things that we haven't seen uh, so or expecting to see more of the things that they do well at least. Uh, so, like I said, I'm kind of coming into this wanting to see, you know, and, and you could say that, you know, that's that's what I'm like. It's hopes, you know. I'm hoping that we get to see this team look very different, um, look something similar to what they look like at the beginning of this year um, when, you know, they, they had things rock and roll in, uh, you know, game one against Kansas City, uh, despite some uh, some tight coverage, some tough things. Um I don't know what we're going to see. So I guess, you know, I have my hopes and I don't have many expectations. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Some hopes, but the expectations should be pretty low. Um, we'll talk about the AFC North as we always do. We'll go around last night's Pittsburgh games, 29 nothing. went to bed, wake up, and it's like, oh, okay, they did that. They almost won it. They had it on the, you know, the 10-yard line. I mean, Chase Claypool did his best to throw that game, but, you know, down, <laughs> on, the, down on the 10-yard line, uh, one shot into the end zone, down eight, and it's like, I don't know, man. They won't die. And I, we, we pretty much nailed this at the beginning of the year. I mean, they, they have too much pride. They've won too many games. Even Ben, who is a shell of himself and is pretty clearly going to retire at the end of the year. I mean, in the fourth quarter this year, this is just this year's stats, fourth quarter. 
1,216 passing yards, first in the NFL, 10 touchdowns, first in the NFL, a 111.7 pass rating, fourth in the NFL. Pro Football Focus on that stat. It's like, I, I mean, some of that I know is opportunity when you're trailing late in games and you're throwing the football a lot, but the guy... The guy won't die, man. He won't die, and it's like I listen. I the Ben Roethlisberger, the person. I have some serious questions about whatever you know his his past, and I was young when he was doing a lot of dumb stuff. It seemed like I don't know. I'm not even going to go there. But the player is like Ben. Ben the player is somebody who has I just have a ton of respect for. He is he's tough, man. He's really tough and. If you swapped out him and put him in Cleveland for all those years, people would be throwing parades for that guy. So it's like, it's really hard. As much as, and I've talked about this, John, I don't have a disdain for many either programs or franchises, period, like at all. Like, I I'm, I enjoy Michigan. I don't dislike them. I want them to be good. I'm an Ohio State believer, but like, I enjoy Michigan. I have nothing against them. And maybe that's because I wasn't born and raised in the, like, you know, into my 20s and 30s like my dad and grandpa and stuff were in the 90s and all of that when they were ruining Ohio State seasons but I've only been around for most of my really aware sportshood you know life in the bad Michigan days but like I don't have any angst against um angst isn't the right word but like I just don't have many ill feelings toward many franchises I just can't stand Pittsburgh and I, I think it's a lot of a lot of times the the people around the franchise those who cover it and some of the mm-hmm. fans who the way they act, I don't even have that toward Baltimore. I have just a ton of respect for Baltimore. And I know, again, that's because I wasn't around as a older sports fan, Cleveland fan, when they left and all the hatred that came with that. I just know Baltimore from, you know, all I've ever known as a, as a sports fan growing up is that Baltimore's pretty good and they do it the right way and they bring in a lot of really smart people and they have a lot of consistency. So I don't even have any of there, but Pittsburgh just... They irk me, but Ben, I just think the football player Ben deserves a lot of respect. I don't know how you feel about it. No, he does. Uh, you know, I mean, they are what they are. They, um, they're a flawed team. Uh, they, but there is a backbone there uh, based on decades of winning. And, uh, you know, I think I've underestimated it at times. But, um, you know, they, uh, they got a lot of pride and they're going to fight. And, it's not going to be an easy out the the way I hoped it would be, you know, if we're able to make a nice run here starting with this Sunday. But, you know, that's not going to be an easy out. And that's just, you know, that's just the way it is. So, yeah. um, I don't know. You know, they uh, they seem to just hang around. They're like cockroaches. <laughs> that's what we've called them all year. They're going to go 8-9, nine, 9-8 nine and eight and not have a very good draft pick and and be set back a while because Ben will be done, and they'll probably have to go with Mason Rudolph because they won't have an answer, or they'll draft somebody that we have talked about, hopefully puts them in quarterback um, misery for a while. That'd be a great outcome. Cincinnati, the only other team in the division to talk about, is coming off a letdown against the Chargers where they brought themselves back in the game, uh, pissed it away, fumbled the football, and they get San Francisco. This is a game where San Francisco, although they just lost to Seattle, had won three of their last four, always well-coached. And if Cincinnati, and I think they host them, if Cincinnati's able to beat them, I'll take them pretty serious. Like, if they win this game, I think they're, in my opinion, the most playoff dangerous AFC North team. I, I still don't know that they're totally ready. I feel like they've been shooting themselves in the foot a little bit. They clearly have 
really good talent, and they're pretty clearly well coached, especially on defense. Uh, the offense is just kind of loaded with skill talent, and the offensive line's been able to get by. So if they win this one, I think it's like, okay, you know, they're 8-5, and five, have a clear leg up with the division wins that they have, and I think they would be the favorite to win the division. Where are you at on them? Yeah, I think this game is kind of like a um, – it's like a fighter getting their chin tested. Yes. After a, um, you know, a solid blow. Um, I want to see how they respond. That's that's the that's the big thing about this week. And I, and I agree that they um, – you know, should definitely start to be taken seriously. You know, I, and, and by seriously, I mean to win the division. I don't really mean you know, a Super Super Bowl contender or even a team that could really make much noise in the in the playoffs. But as far as the, where this division is going to end up, uh, this is a big game. And and if they lose it, and if they you know if they lose it badly, um, the way that these last five games end up, uh, that could be a little bit of a tailspin for them. So it'll be very interesting, you know, to see how they respond this week. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a wait and see how they react this week, and I think it'll say a lot about the team, uh, whichever way that that game goes. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely one where they lose it. You're like, ah, okay, they're not ready yet. Clearly, quite aren't quite there yet. If they win it, it's like, okay, maybe they're ahead of schedule here. They're ready to go. Not quite a dangerous threat to go deep into the playoffs, but definitely a team that was underestimated by most folks in the in the uh, preseason and has uh, really taken a step to put themselves in the front of the division and have a chance to win the whole thing. So, yeah, I think I definitely think, thought Cincinnati, I think you and I, if we retrace our, our conversations on these things, thought they were going to be a contender but maybe a year off so they could end up being ahead of schedule. So um, we will see how that shakes out. It's a good test game for them. Like I said, I believe San Francisco came in there a couple years ago and absolutely embarrassed them by Cincinnati by like 40 points. So some of that stuff going on, a little payback, a little redemption for the Bengals. We'll see how they handle it. So let's talk real quick. One more topic before we talk about how the Browns actually do beat the Ravens this time is this TJ Watt, Miles Garrett thing. I think both fan bases think, nah, nah, the other guy's not in the same ballpark. It's pretty amazing, actually, John, when you <laughs> when you look at Twitter responses about how neither side believes the other is as good as the other. I think the consensus around Cleveland is that TJ Watt has better help, better supporting cast, at least in years past, and that's why he gets a lot of the isolation attempts while Miles Garrett didn't, and then... Cleveland just kind of and and I think from Pittsburgh's side too they they will always hate Miles for the helmet situation. Um, they, they'll they'll kind of do their best to ignore him that way. I have an immense amount of respect for T.J. Watt. I think he is, I think he's right in the ballpark. I mean, I think he plays the run game pretty ferociously. He is, uh, I think he's a pretty pretty dang good pass rusher. Definitely not as athletically gifted as Miles, but his motor is high effort all the time like high, high effort all the time. And I don't even think he's as skilled as his brother, to be honest. But I think he's just he's just so ferocious about his approach that it makes up for a lot of other things. And he does have a really nice feel for quarterback movement in the pocket that helps him make some plays on on sack situations too. I don't know I don't know how you view him. There was an interesting graphic put out uh that said Miles actually gets double teamed a little bit more and actually has a higher win rate. So I do think Miles is the better player, but when production is a little better for Watt, I'm never surprised just because he's opportunistic, and I do think he has a good feel for reading how quarterbacks are going to step up. Because, you know, I know all pressures are – what you want pressure. Pressure above all else. Give me pressure, pressure, pressure. But there are some guys 
who are better at converting pressure into actual sacks. And that's kind of like a guy in basketball who's better shooting with a hand in their face, right? I, I think I think TJ's pretty good at it, and we should probably recognize that a little more than what we do from this side of things. Although we know Miles is special and give him the respect that he deserves. I'm just curious your thoughts on the two. Yeah, I think um, he's got a little bit more of my respect than he has had. Uh, I do think that there's guys like Brandon Thorne and, and those guys who are doing the um, – quality sack um, measurements and those types of things. Um, I think that's right, right? Mm -hmm. Thorne does that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I think that TJ has lagged a little bit on the quality sacks um, that he was tracking on there. Uh, But I think it's time to just understand that even if you don't think that he's better than Miles Garrett, and I don't, um, that he's he's an elite pass rusher in the league. Um, He definitely does get some help, but particularly helpful um, to get some of that stuff up the middle with that three, four defense, you know, whether that's cam or, you know, to it and those guys uh, help, you know, keep these quarterbacks from kind of slipping away or just stepping up and out of the arc. Um, you know, as he's pass rushing from the outside, uh, he's a legit star pass rusher. I mean, it is what it is. You know, it'd be silly to deny that at this point um, on the other side though, Miles Garrett is having a defensive player of the year type season. I mean, I, I was scanning some of the, the stats on edge players on PFF, and Miles is basically leader in everything, whether it's, um, you know, pressure rate, uh, win rate. Um, you know, I mean, he's uh, he's been the leader in just about everything this year. And, you know, that graphic also shows – you know, that he is being double teamed more and he has a higher win rate there. So, I mean, I think from every angle, Miles is a better player this year. Has he been a better player every single year? I don't I don't know. I'm not positive. You know, uh, Miles has had, you know, he had the COVID things last year. You know, I think when he was healthy last year, he was clearly the better player. Um, I don't think he's been the better player all of this year. So, um, I think Miles is coming into his own and Miles is the best you know, edge player in the NFL, um, I think, uh, you know, over the course of the season. So, but that doesn't, you don't have to crap on TJ Watt. I mean, aside from being a Steeler, understood, but, you know, you don't have to crap on TJ Watt to appreciate um, Miles Garrett, you know, and I think that's just what happens a lot of times. It's like, and it happens like with a lot of these kind of uh, athlete battles, right? You know, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to appreciate LeBron. You have to crap on him because, you know, you're a Michael Jordan fan, right? So <laughs> there's never, like, any mutual respect among uh, fan bases when you're discussing this stuff. But the reality is T.J. Watt's a problem. He's going to be a problem the entire time he's in Pittsburgh, and that's going to be for the long haul. He's signed for the long haul. And it's going to be something that uh, is a nice battle to watch throughout their careers because I think both these guys are lifelong uh, players for their team. So just appreciate what you got and uh, try not to let them hurt your guys. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
Yeah, it's uh, with with Watt. Boy, I was really hoping he fumbled. They Pittsburgh fumbled that contract. Would have been really nice to see him out west or something. Um, yeah, and I did like Miles' quote today too, John. I don't know if you saw that where he, you know he, he talked about, hey, it looks like TJ overtook you in sacks or something like that. And he's like, you know, man, it doesn't matter if we don't make the playoffs. And I thought that was that was a really mature quote out of him. Um, it's nice to see him see him growing uh, with some of this stuff too, taking on that leadership role from things we talked earlier. Let's close with how the Browns beat the Ravens. Is it going to take as heroic a defensive performance as we saw just two weeks ago? Let's start with that, and then we'll move around real quick and talk about angles here. But that's the question. Can they win without four turnovers and maybe holding Baltimore to 17 to 20 points. Can, can the Browns find a way to get to three touchdowns? And do you think they're going to play as well defensively? That's it. So I, I don't, you know, we're not going to get fourth picks again. That's just not going to happen. Let's just set that aside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, but uh, can we play as well defensively? Um, I think we can. I don't, that doesn't always necessarily mean you're going to hold them to under 20 points. Um, this offense needs to score points, and I expect them to score points against Baltimore. Baltimore is a weaker defensive team than we faced last time. We've had, a, you know, two weeks to focus enough. That, you know, everybody has talked about this, right? Baltimore was never happy with this game, uh, with how this was set up. Mm-hmm. This is set up for the Browns to have an advantage because while Baltimore's had to do a division game in between, Browns have only gotten to focus on Baltimore for three straight weeks. And that is a rarity in the NFL that, that you can do that. So I'm expecting results out of that. So we needed to score points last time. We didn't. We're going to score points this time, I think. Uh, and the defense can can play a, an excellent game. And it doesn't have to be as flashy as four turnovers if the offense is doing their job. Yeah. How, how do you envision – do you think they're going to be able to run really well? I mean, to me, that's the only way they can get three touchdowns on the board in this game is if they run it really well. I mean, I'm not asking for them to go for 200 yards, but we cannot see a 40-yard repeat between the two backs. I think I think that's, to me, the thing here. Can they run it well? Because if they don't run it well, it's hard to see them getting to 21. I don't know what you feel about it. Maybe you have a little more faith than I do. And if we're going to run it well, we're going to have to pass it well. You know, I mean, they're, they're, we're not going to run it well running into those fronts. Um, the same way, you know, they're gonna have to be able to flip plays at the line of scrimmage uh, when they're showing strength on one side. They're gonna have to be able to um, to threaten a crippled secondary. And if they can't, the Browns don't deserve to win the game. Okay, you know, they're gonna have to loosen up the box by hitting some passes. Yeah. And if they can't do it against this crippled secondary, I don't know what to tell you. Then you know, the Browns. They, we, we shouldn't be talking about playoffs. We shouldn't be talking about runs. You know, it, they need to be able to take it. I understand we're we're hurting on you know on tight ends and you know our wide receiver room doesn't look that great. Whatever. You know, we have enough. We have enough to deal with a secondary that's in the shape that Baltimore's is in. And you know, I I think we do have to run it well to win this game. I do 100. percent But you're not going to unless you know, you can make some first downs through the air, whether you can get a ninth person out of the friggin' box, you know? So, yeah, uh, I think it'll all kind of coalesce together, and people will probably 
talk about how, you know, it was the run game that won. You know, let's just like imagine a scenario where the Browns win, they get 150 yards rushing, that kind of stuff. People are talking big about the run game. I guarantee you that doesn't happen unless we can we can make something happen with passing game that we couldn't last talk. Well, you heard it here. The Browns better find a way to throw the football a little bit, even though we expect some running game to, you know, tick up, improve, whatever, even with James Hudson at right tackle. Um, they they have to hit some throws, and they have to hit some throws into the end zone, and we're refreshing this season, right? I think it's fair, John, as we close with this to say, and I've said this several times on the guests I've had this week, you refresh it. It's a five-game season. If you play really well these five and make the playoffs, people are not going to remember six and six before it. I really don't think they will, and you'll have a great feeling going into the off offseason. Um, but if you do blow these opportunities, you're going to start feeling immense pressure that is not necessarily in your lap pressure, but pressure nonetheless about figuring out ways to fix this for next year because of the expectation. So I think we're on the same page, willing to give this thing a refresh five games, show us what you got coming out of the bye week, right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, in certain respects, it's kind of true every year, right? Like the, you know, the teams that play best in December, um, I think generally perform well in the playoffs, you know, as far as that kind of stuff goes for the Browns, it's a five game season. And in this particular season, which has been like civil shepherd, style like craziness um that's a really old reference i don't even know if anybody on this pod will catch that um you know but the you know i think that it's been so nutty you know that it's more important than ever that this afc just in general as a whole uh that the teams that emerge from this five weeks i think are are, are going to be the ones that figure out how to win some games in the playoffs so you know i'm, I'm basically going to be doing in my head, like power rankings, completely wiping the rest of the season off, not just because I want to as a Browns fan and, and that's what it takes to get in the playoffs, but because this season has been so insane, it's been so hard to tell really who's uh, a really good team uh, and who's going to make a run on the AFC side for the for the playoffs. So let's do it, man. Let's, let's do it. Let's see how the Cleveland Browns fare. Um, you know, not, not completely – themselves here missing some key pieces but nonetheless an opportunity at home out of the bye that they really have to take advantage of so john we got it done this week man appreciate your time as always i know the listeners do as well no problem thanks for having me jake okay guys thanks for coming in joining today's episode as usual as i always say thanks for supporting the obr whether through this podcast the website or the twitch we will be live in the pregame postgame endeavors with twitch for this game check us out Make sure you uh, give John a follow on Twitter. We always appreciate his time. And that's probably all I have to thank. Yeah, that's all I have to thank. We'll see how the Browns fare. Huge game. Implications on this season and next coming out of this game. Uh, we'll be here to talk about it all weekend once it comes to a conclusion. Thanks for joining us. Have your game day pod in the morning uh, for your Sunday listen. Maybe even have it early Saturday night. We'll see what happens. Uh, either way, be joined by Brad Ward. Check that one out. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, and go Browns. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? 
What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.